Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, or should I say a special edition of Voice of Reason Radio. This is Chris Honholtz joining you as we bring to you a, an audio version podcast episode of a show that I was blessed to do with Keith Foskey. Uh, Keith Foskey is, the, is a pastor at Sovereign Grace Family Church in Jacksonville, Florida. He also has the Calvinist with a... a Conversations with a Calvinist podcast, which is primarily on YouTube, but also an audio version. Uh, I was able to join him on his program, again, Conversations with a Calvinist. If uh, you aren't familiar with either of those two things, what you might be familiar with are all the quite hysterical uh, denominations have a conversation about fill-in-the-blank. He does these great short videos that compare and contrast different denominational beliefs in uh, rather hysterical environments. It can be about 4th of July, it can be about gun control, it can be about, uh, you know, uh, New Year's Eve, Father's Day, Mother's Day. If you've watched any of those videos, you are familiar with Keith Foskey. It was really a, a joy and a pleasure to spend time with him on his program. He invited me on because, well, we reviewed the G3 conference as two people who did not attend. (laughs) And if that sounds a little strange to you, you're going to get a a fuller understanding as we roll into this episode. Uh, We wanted, Keith has put this on YouTube, so if you are the type of person who enjoys watching an interaction rather than just listening, I'll put that in the show notes. But for those who are just you know that maybe not another not YouTube watchers. We wanted to give you this opportunity as our listeners to have uh, to hear this conversation that we had together. I think it was really helpful. It was really informative, and we had a good time doing it. Uh, we basically took the opportunity based on inf- stuff that was released, stuff that was publicly said and responded to uh, from the G3 conference, and we ta- uh, talked about it as people being sitting outside looking in. How would we as Christians uh, react to some of those things? So hopefully that's helpful to you, and we hope you enjoy it. God bless you guys. Thank you again for being part of the Voice of Reason Radio family. You guys have been so wonderful to us, and we just can never thank you enough for all those, uh, the shares, the prayers, the, uh, you know, uh, the interaction that you give us, uh, you being a part of this, and helping us as a podcast reach others. So God bless you guys, and here is my conversation with a Calvinist, Keith Foskey, on his show. God bless you guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Welcome back to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. I'm excited to have you with me today as I am welcoming my new friend and someone I've been friends with for a little while on Twitter, Chris Honholtz. He is here with us today. He is the voice of Reason Radio and a, I'm sorry, he is he is the host of Voice <laughs> of Reason Radio. And as I said, a person I've interacted with quite a bit on Twitter. And this is our first in-person conversation. It's not really in person because we're online, but at least we can see each other. Chris is known for giving thoughtful commentary on a host of issues on his show, as well as, as I said, being an active voice on Twitter, which he, like me, refuses to call X. Am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is not Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Absolutely. Well, in addition to our mutual love of Christ and his word, we also share a love for pop culture. Chris is known for donning a very nice replica of the Captain America costume and wearing it to comic conventions. Uh, I have a picture I'm going to slide in here. Uh, But before I do this, let me just say, I asked him to wear it tonight. He told me he wouldn't. So just so you know, audience... We have the picture, but we don't have him. And I told him I would wear my Batman costume, but you'll see it in the thumbnail. <laughs> but um, but what we're talking about today, we're 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 going to be addressing the fact that that both Chris and I are are uh, are lovers of the Bible, we're lovers of the Word, and we're lovers of good preachers of the Word. We both have interactions with Dr. James White and many other people online, but. We're going to be talking today about a conference that we didn't go to. <laughs> the G3 conference was this past week, and neither of us got to go, and yet we still both feel very capable 
of giving a review because so much of the conference was online on Twitter and everything else. So we are going to be giving, and the title of today's show is uh, the G3 conference review from two nerds who didn't get to go. So perfect. The G3. Yeah. The G3 national conference, for those of you who don't know, took place last week in Atlanta, Georgia. It was on the topic of the sovereignty of God as soon as it began, Twitter and Facebook were filled with pictures and video clips, some of which immediately began to stir some controversy, and still to this day is stirring controversy. I was, I was scrolling through Twitter, Twitter just before I came on, and there's still discussion going on about some of the things that were said, and we're going to talk about some of those controversial moments later. This year's conference had over 8,000 people in attendance. It featured speakers like Paul Washer, Vody Bauckham, Steve Lawson, Justin Peters, Ken Ham, Phil Johnson, James White, James Coates, Virgil Walker, Daryl Harrison, Owen Strayan, Josh Bice, <laughs> uh, a man a man I don't know by the name of Skip Thornton. I saw his name on the list. Do you, do you know Skip Thornton? I'm afraid not. <laughs> uh, well, if, if, if you know who Skip Thornton is, Put, put, put that in the comments below. I'd like to get to know him. I just saw his name was on the list, and he wasn't on any of the videos that I saw. So, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just would wonder what, uh, what his specialty was, why they, why they happened to have him. And uh, like I said, Chris, it seems like everybody got to go this year except you and me. Like we were the, like, like we were the two lone guys like that we weren't any, in any of the pictures. So my question to you is, why didn't you go? Uh primarily a travel budget uh, of which i have none (laughs) (laughs) traveling from the west coast uh in nevada which is where i'm at uh to all the way back to georgia it it's a little expensive these days so i it's like sorry can't (laughs) now that that raises uh, i didn't realize you were in nevada and maybe i should have mentioned that earlier i asked you to share a little bit about where you're at because you're close to my favorite pastor my favorite pastor is Brian Borgman. Do you know Brian? Yes, you know I do. Brian he's actually uh, he's uh, interacts with uh, our pastors. I attend Community Bible Church out of Reno, Nevada, and uh, they actually interact with one another quite a bit. Wonderful, wonderful. He's he. he I've I had the opportunity to meet him. I interviewed him. We did a show on why Tombstone is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> That's that right. was the title of our show, and uh, and I love him to death. I, I've listened to more of his sermons than probably anyone else. So that's that's cool to know that you're out there. Um, so it was your for you. It was a travel budget thing. That's right. why you didn't get to go. Yeah, I'm kind of in this. I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, the church, you know, helps me go to conferences. You know, a little bit here and there, but. Uh, I I'm going to the Fight Laugh Feast next month because I was invited by Greg Moore of the Dead Men Walking podcast to to come and help him out and be a part of what he's doing. So I had to kind of choose: do I choose to go to FLF or do I choose to go to G3? And some people say I should have went to G3, <laughs> but I I, I want to go and be with Greg and the guys. So I'm looking forward to that, and that's that's why I didn't go. But have you ever been? Have you? personally ever been to g3 coming all the way from nevada yeah i actually was very fortunate to go uh two years ago uh, when they had actually changed over to the different venue and and they had quite a turnout over there uh wonderful experience it's i going to a conference is one of those things where it's it's kind of just that little taste of heaven in so much as that everybody you're with is there for the specific purpose of hearing the word of god preached to worship and to to pray together and just that moment where you get wow we are not alone we're not so it's not so tiny as it sometimes seems and so you just get that little slice of being able to spend all that time with so many people that's a wonderful opportunity amen amen uh and well that leads me to my next my my second question then and that was the question of are you a fan of conferences and you sort of (laughs) answered there so it sounds like you have a pretty positive uh relationship or a pretty positive uh thought about conferences in general generally speaking i think they're they can be very useful but i I think at the same time there can be some detriment to them um one of my concerns with conferences is that the local church can be pressured into a, a sense of competition with them because we get really excited about spending a lot of time around our favorite online pastors, so to speak, online speakers that we only get to hear when we log into a a YouTube or on a podcast or something like that. And we get to spend time with a lot of people and we, you know, we get to see all these ministries. And while that's can be very, uh, very, very big blessing, it can also put local churches in a place of pressure where you come back and 
that's not the it's not the same experience. It's going you know okay I went to church yeah I, I, I'm used to doing that and and so the pastor can be put in that awkward position of having to feel like they're competing with that and and I, I think that's one of the risks of it. At the same time we can also we can also lose a little bit of um, reality about why we're there. Going to a conference and you know, look, my favorite place is a book tent. <laughs> okay, yeah. the, a, a library like no other, especially if you go to Shepherd's Conference. <laughs> but um, you could spend your whole time there. But you spend all that time there, and it almost can become, and and, and you'll appreciate this, a Comic Con for Christians. You know, you get to you get to meet your favorite celebrities, you get to see all the great books, you get to see all the great ministries, and you forget that the gathering is still there for one purpose: to edify you, so that when you go back. You're there to, you, what you've learned, you take with you to put into practice in serving your local church and sharing the gospel, raising up your families, living your life as a Christian. So there is a negative side to, to conferences that we have to be very careful about, and it's really easy to fall into that. Um, so we got we to gotta make sure we balance it. I think there's, good, there's really good things about them, but there can be some negatives if we're not careful. I think what you just said is so insightful, the, comparing it to Comic-Con. And for those who don't know what Comic-Con is, that, that is, you know, well, there, there are different, there's the Comic-Con, the San Diego Comic-Con, and then there's, you know, little, there's other cons, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the, and, and that's when people gather together to nerd out over their favorite um, comic book character, superhero. Like if I went, I'd be dressed as Batman, Superman, and or Wolverine, maybe all three <laughs> at the same time. But, <clears throat> but... It's funny that you compare them because, you know, I, I jokingly, you know, I, I dress up and play a, a, a bit part where I play Doug Wilson. And now, now, and I realize I really am Comic Conning when I, like, when I, when I wear my Harbor Doug Freight. Wilson. Yes, I'm I'm cosplaying Doug Wilson as the comic the the the, the Harbor Freight version. <laughs> and um, did you see the thing we did with the, uh, the, 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 I caught some uh, of it. I caught, yeah, I, saw, I caught some of the, uh, the interaction. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing I posted something this week. It was me and Samuel oh, saying yes. Greg Moore as the as the um, off brand Vody Bacham, Doug Wilson, and Jeff Durbin, and and now now people are wanting us to do a podcast called Off Brand Theology, <laughs> where the three of us pretend to be other people. I and did so, I did see that because one of my friends interjected and said I should be the uh, you know like Dollar Tree uh, Todd Friel or something. <laughs> Yeah, and you said you weren't tall enough. Yeah, not yes. quite tall enough. There's about a six, seven-inch difference between the two of us. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned about conferences, uh, how local pastors can sometimes think about conferences, because that's where, I, uh, where I'm at sometimes is, is people will, will focus a lot on the conferences and the celebrity aspect of people who are in those positions like James White and, and others who are, you know, who... who they they probably don't see themselves mm -hmm. as celebrities in the sense that um, you know I've heard some very humbling stories about the way that Paul Washer talks to people and is very sweet and kind mm -hmm. and James White has always been very kind to me and different people you know they don't they don't act like celebrities but at the same time there is always going to be a celebrity culture just about in every group you find there's going to be people who are who are sought after people want to talk to them people want mm -hmm. to see them people want their picture taken with them and, and, it, and it happens um but for for the rank and file pastors that are that are at church these are the guys who are investing in your life every week these yes. are the people who are who are by your side when you're suffering when you're hurting when your child is sick when you're in the hospital and you get that terrible um you know report from the doctor or whatever and so i, I just like to encourage people to say that that, that while these people who have these extremely impressive gifts that God has given them for teaching and for instruction and things like that. Those people are, are never going to take the place Amen. of your local church. So Amen. absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the, the, one of the questions I had here is, do you regret missing the G3 this year? I think, I think you and I both would agree. I kind of wish I could have went. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I always, there's always that little twinge of, Oh man, when you see all the posts from your friends that are there, all the people getting to meet up and and you catch the snippets or if you're lucky enough to catch part of the live stream and you get to hear those powerful sermons, I, I it's always a bit of a drag that you didn't get to go. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to go two years ago, so at least I have that, hey, I've at least had a chance to go. But I've been in that boat where people have never gotten to go and you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, I have a secret. I've never gone to G three. Um, I, I went to I went to hear James White debate uh, the Roman Catholic on the subject of uh, can a Christian lose his salvation? And I forget his name. Uh, Trent Horn. Mm. He, he, he debated Trent Horn, and and that was a that was a good debate. But I couldn't I couldn't stay for the whole conference. Right. I just had too much to do. So I drove up there. Watched the debate, spent the night at the hotel, drove home. That, yeah. that, I, I, I wasn't able to, so I've never been. And people say, "Well, you're right here. Jacksonville's five hours away. You can just drive up and drive back." But it just, it's just never worked out for me. My yeah. wife really wants to go, so we're gonna have to make that a uh, make that a uh, a priority for her sake because she because she wants to do <laughs> just that just for the wife, just for the wife. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, this year's conference almost right out of the gate, began to stir up what was already somewhat of a hornet's nest. And you and I, being somewhat of uh, Twitter aficionados, we, we, we see this. And that is the hornet's nest between the um, what I call the, G3, the G3 bros and the, uh, the, the Christian nationalist bros. You know, the two, the, two, uh-huh. the two, two camps. And it's sad that we talk about them as if they're completely divided because yeah. – you know, you have James White is at G3, and yet he's friendly with mm-hmm. the Christian Nationalist guys. And then you've got Vody Bauckham is there, and he's friendly with Doug Wilson and those guys. And so it's, it doesn't seem to me like like the leaders are that divided. But mm-hmm. on Twitter, it seems like there's more division. And certain guys seem to be more divisive yeah. than, than others. And this leads me to the first clip we're going to watch. This is a clip that was, um, and this is the plan for today for those who are maybe kind of catching up on what we're doing. We're gonna we're going to watch some of the clips from G three. These are all ones that they posted publicly. It's just thirty to forty seconds of a sermon, and we're going to comment on some of the things that we think about what they're saying, as well as some of what has been said and we've read on Twitter. So that's our that's our plan, and the first one has to do with um, Owen Strand. Am I saying that right? Yes, Strand. Is it Strand? Uh, Owen Strand made a statement <laughs> in a sermon, which has been uh, it has been defended by one side. It has been vilified by the other side. Doug Wilson even came out and wrote an article about it today. I sent it to you, Chris, yes. beforehand, just so you'd get a chance to see that. Um, and I can link that in the comments for anybody who wants to read it. This 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 one part seemed to overshadow the entire pre-conference because the pre-conference seemed to be dealing with this subject specifically. So I'm going to play the video. Let us uh, hear what he had to say. Let him speak in his own words. And I realize this is only a snippet, so it's a little unfair because we're not getting all the context. But this is the snippet that's gone viral and people want to uh, to address. So here's here here it is. I hope we can both hear it okay. God does not love a merely white church in America. God loves a global people of all backgrounds and tribes. This is under fire today from different corners, but we confess it and will stand here come what may. God loves the global body of Christ. All right. God does not just love the white church. God loves the global body of Christ. And I, a, a quote from uh, a website called the Evangelical Dark Web. Are you familiar with that site? I'm familiar with the name. I haven't really perused it. Uh, well, I just happened to be looking around and saw <laughs> the Evangelical Dark Web, whoever that is, I don't know who this is, and I'm not endorsing them in any way, said, quote, Owen Strand goes woke at the G3 conference, and they were basing it on that yeah. video. I know they were basing it on that video because that's the same video that they had on their website. <laughs> Owen Strand goes woke at the G3 conference. Chris, what do you think about that? Uh, utter nonsense. <laughs> it, okay. It's, it, and the thing is, is that uh, if you listen to, I, I believe I was listening to that sermon live stream because I happened to be home that day, and um, there was nothing about that where he was going woke. In, in fact, if you follow anything that Owen has been doing, you understand that he, along with many others uh, involved with G3, have been back and forth with regard to Christian nationalism and one of the things that they've been very vocal about is a per, or a perceived movement in the direction of a 
like a, a kinist ideology. And kinism is basically the idea that you stay within your ethnic group as far as intermarrying and stuff like that. And um, I actually listened to uh, an interview that he did with Johnny Root during the conference where he was addressing this specific quote and <clears throat> the reasoning that he's been addressing it. So if you're paying attention to anything that, uh, that he has been doing, you would recognize there's absolutely nothing about what Owen has, uh, has been saying and putting out in print and putting out in podcast format and all those things that he's has anything to do with woke. I mean, for goodness sake, the man wrote a book against woke ideology within the church. So he is the furthest thing from it. it, it he was addressing specifically a, an issue that he believes is being a trajectory within the Christian nationalist movement. And um, I would have preferred that he either had not said that in his this particular sermon because I think it was missing that context or he had spent time fleshing that out. I know that during the pre-conference he specifically addressed kinism. That was uh, that was be, that was done during the pre-conference, but during the actual conference itself to just kind of put that in the middle of his sermon as a shot across the bow uh, in, in dealing this with this particular back and forth with the, the Christian nationalist movement, I think unfortunately created a weird scenario where I, I saw a lot of the responses. People were saying, who are you talking about? Who is saying this? Who's mentioning this? Who's coming up with this? And give a name, you know, give names on this. And it was creating a lot of confusion for us, some people. And those within the Christian nationalist movement knew exactly what he was talking about and were infuriated because they are insisting that what he is claiming about them isn't true. And so it's, it was, I think I knew what he was trying to do, but it was, I think, not well placed, nor was it well formulated for that sermon. That's good thoughts. And um, I, I want to perhaps give some context to some of my hearers who may not know much about what you were just talking about with the Kenist argument. Um, and, and, and what I'm about to say, this is in no way to, to strike at this person, but there's, there's a man by the name of Stephen Wolf. Mm -hmm. Stephen Wolf wrote the case for Christian nationalism, which is a book. Uh, I believe it was mentioned at the conference, uh, that, that, that I think it was its own bit of controversy because I think <laughs> they showed like some kind of, uh, purchase, uh, deal or something you could get on the book or something. Right. It's like a conference. Can impress uh, did uh, that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but back in April, Stephen Wolf stated on Twitter, quote, white evangelicals are the lone bulwark against moral insanity in America, end quote. And that, that was a, that was sort of like the tweet heard around the world when that mm -hmm. was out, that, that, that made, um, everybody felt like they had to opine. Oh, yeah. Everybody felt like they had to say something about that, whether they felt like that was going too far. Is that a foolish statement to make? And even that has a context. What um, Stephen Wolf was responding to when he said that was someone who said white evangelicals were the most dangerous. And he mm -hmm. was sort of giving a response. No, we're, we, we are a bulwark. But then he, but, but he, he, he said, the lone bulwark, and that, and I, and I think it would have been heard differently had he said white, evangel white evangelicals are a bulwark. Had, had he said that, even that probably would have been, you know, hated. But he said the lone bulwark, and then of course, you know, that 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 created somewhat of a firestorm. Just but the idea bit. of, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then the idea of kinism, as you mentioned, and for again, for for a lot of folks who who are just hearing these phrases, I've 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 been. I've been around that word for a long time. I've heard people use that word, uh, defending it, go, arguing against it, things like that. So I'm quite familiar with it. But uh, but for a lot of people, they they hear kinism, they they automatically think, uh, you know, the, 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 what is that? You know, and you just you just explained it. You know, the yeah. idea that people ought to stay within their own ethnic or racial uh, groups, and so. Owen's statement seems to be that he was responding to what he considers to be the Kenist problem or the, the, the idea that the white church is, the, is, the, is somehow more valuable, somehow more important, somehow more 
uh, uh, more, as he said, God loves them more somehow. And, right. and my issue, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, and I think you, you've already said, you said you weren't sure he should have said this. My issue, hearing it, without the context of what you, you said, you listened to the whole sermon, without the context, just hearing the statement, I felt like had had someone like Beth Moore said what Owen said, mm-hmm. or um, if, if, if someone who we might consider to be not our favorite person, I don't want to say enemy, but somebody right. who wouldn't be on, on our team, right? If Beth Moore said it, if, if, if Benny Hinn said it, or even if, even if somebody who maybe we you know used to get along with, somebody like, uh, oh, what was the Mars Hill guy? Uh, uh, Mark uh, Driscoll. Yeah, yeah. If Mark Driscoll this past weekend said in his sermon, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, God does not just love the white church or whatever, however Owen stated Mm -hmm. it. I have a feeling that people would have said that sounds woke and they would have sort of charged him with that. So I see where the accusation towards Owen is coming from. And I see where the where where they're saying, and I I agree with you. Like I said, he's written against woke. He's he's personally not woke, but had this come out of the mouth of someone else, and I think it would have been uh, maybe even you and I would have said, yeah, there's an example of of woke. So that so that's that's the only thing that's difficult for me is is um, is sometimes I think we we give a pass to mm-hmm. our side where we would bludgeon the other side. Oh, and again, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying we should be bludgeoning them. I'm just saying right. this is the reality. And I, I think that's one of the problems with social media has done this to us in a little ways. We're we're used to a hot take response. We'll hear a mm-hmm. portion of something, and we've all done it. I've done it. And, you know, we we've all seen a portion of something, and immediately responded with, "Whoa, that sounds like this." So therefore, it must be. Or you you must be leaning that direction. Or how can you not say that you that's what you meant because you clearly stated it. And that's one of the problems is that we, social media has done this to us a lot, where we talk in bite-sized chunks, we respond in bite-sized chunks, and we aren't very as thoughtful as we need to be, especially as Christians. Uh, going back to Stephen Wolf's comment, Stephen Wolf, uh, when he made his lone bulwark re- uh, response, everybody went on him, and Stephen Wolf says, well, no, I'm speaking of voting demographics. And that was clear from what I said. Well, no, it wasn't clear from your post. And we have so gotten ourselves into this mindset of thinking in bite-sized chunks and not articulating clearly what we are trying to say and why that not only, one, do we damage ourselves because we do it, we say it in that way, and and as Owen did in that sermon without greater context, then we all react to it. We immediately assign a motive and an intent to why he said what he said. And then we don't let them explain themselves out, you know, and, and we won't we won't do the extra legwork. I, you know, when all of this material comes out for G3 for uh, access to the downloads and stuff, I'm fairly certain like the interviews with Johnny Root will be available on, on the G3 site. You'll be able to see him explain that. But will most of us do it? Most likely not. And so we end up with these unfair assessments where we haven't given somebody as especially as a christian the the responsibility that we have to clarify uh, let them clarify what they mean or question why and so i agree with you i don't i think we often are uh the problem is is that we often will give a pass to our own side because we think and maybe pretty much know what that person is because we follow them but we don't uh we don't go say hey you set yourself up for this you said something that was unclear you said something that maybe needed more context or would have been more appropriate in, in a different context, in a different sermon. Maybe you shouldn't have put that there. And so you set yourself up for this, and now you're aghast that everybody is upset with what you said. Well, with all due respect to Owen, yeah, your statement, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, it's true. But with all due respect to him, was it necessary? Was it necessary to put in your sermon, and was it necessary to do so without greater context to explain why you felt it was necessary to put in there. I, I love Owen to death. I, I, I think he's a great guy. I think every you know, he's extremely smart. I think he's very articulate. Um, but hey, you, should, you, you shouldn't you should be 
you know, upset that people are, are frustrated that people are misunderstanding you if you and G3 maybe probably should have not put that particular quote out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, with and, all due respect, guys, you gave him a 30-second soundbite with no other context, and you're wondering why everybody's upset. <laughs> yeah, and in it, he does this, I don't know if you noticed it, the hand thing. Because mm. the, the, I, I, I watched it several times preparing for tonight. He says, come what may, and he sort right. of does this sort Almost of Almost like, like inviting like, it on. Come, come at me, bro. Kind of yeah. like that universal posture. And I was like, ew, that, that, there's a, there, you know. And again, I do have a question for you, and I don't want to spend all of our time on Owen sure. because uh, this, is, this is not a beat-up Owen session or, or no. a praise Owen session. I'm just curious as your thoughts. I tend to find that among the, the men on the dais, Owen seems to be the one that people have – the most mixed feelings about. Mm -hmm. and, and here's what I mean. You know, James White certainly has his enemies, but within the reform circles, he's fairly well uh, loved. And, 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 and obviously Vody is, you know, one of the, one of the greats, you know, seems to be welcome wherever he goes, but Owen has been sort of a firebrand. I mean, it seems like people either, <laughs> either, either really take to him or really are opposed to him. And I, I see it as being two issues. I know there's the ERAS stuff, which gets, you know, for people who don't know, that's uh, relating to the subordination of Christ, the eternal relations of authority and submission, and that, that, that creates an issue. But also now the Christian nationalism stuff and, and this stuff is, you know, do you, do you think I'm right in that assessment? Do you think that's that's really what what causes these these things, or is there something I'm missing? No, I think you're, you're probably dead on accurate with that. Um, he definitely, when he joined uh, GBTS and came on as provost, and he was teaching there, um, almost immediately that the issue of the ERAS came up. And I'll be honest with you, I mean that's that's a subject I got to sit down and study out because. I've tried to follow it, and it kind of goes over my head. I, I like to say I'm just a schlub with a podcast, so I'm not a scholar. I'm not a, I'm not a seminary grad or anything. So I've tried to follow it, but it gets I get a little lost in it. But those who do have taken some serious concerns about where he stands on it. And that it followed him into GBTS. And then as he and G3 and others began to interact, he's extremely vocal. Um, when Owen gets in on a subject, he goes all in. And so he, he's, um, he has basically positioned himself where he's going to take a lot of shots and I don't think he has a problem taking them. And he's, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to say what he's going to say. And he's not too concerned if those in opposition to him don't like him. And I think those two issues probably have made him quite a big target. Yeah. And that's that's probably a good point. You're right. He probably uh, feels like he can take it, and so far, I guess he's been taking it well. Um, and like I said, I don't, I don't want to make this all about him. I just thought it was uh, interesting to hear your thoughts about him. I appreciate yeah, you absolutely. sharing. Now, as I said, we have some other clips. Now, some of these are uh, I've chosen specifically because I've seen a few of these shared by the opponents of reform theology mm -hmm. and and by that I, I i hate to use the word enemies right because i'd like to think we were all brothers in, in christ but there are those who oppose certain theologies um obviously uh dr layton flowers opposes reform <laughs> theology he is the the head of the provisionist movement just yeah yeah just a little thank, bit thank uh he certainly has some issues and he posted about something that james white said uh regarding open theism mm. So I want I want to play that clip for the audience. I know you probably are familiar with the clip I'm talking about, and I want us to just uh, address something that was said by uh, by the uh, by the other side. So let me let me pull that up real quick. He doesn't know what free creatures are going to do. And in fact, if God knew what free creatures were going to do, then they wouldn't truly be free. That remains an argument that they make to this day. And I have taught for many, many years that the only consistent Arminian is an open theist. If you confess that God has absolute, unchangeable, perfect knowledge of all future events in his creation, then you can't possibly believe in the Arminian construal of salvation. All right, so... Um 
I don't think I've asked you this, but I know the answer. But I'm, <laughs> you're you're a Calvinist, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah, so this is a conversation between two Calvinists tonight. Um, so, so would would you agree with with Jay? And, and I'm I'm not trying to paint you in a corner, mm-hmm. but I want to. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you what uh, after after I get your answer, I'm gonna give you what Layton said, and I want to see how you would respond. Okay, mm-hmm. so would you agree with James White that the 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 natural progression or the 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 practical application of of Arminianism is Open theism. I think. I I, I think if you took it out to its logical conclusion, you would have to, because for for it to be as as Doctor White has said, a a consistent that God doesn't know. He doesn't know what you're going to say. He's waiting on you to make that decision. Then you have to eventually conclude that there are things that God cannot know about the future, and therefore open theism becomes the the end uh, end result. I do also agree with Dr. White that it's uh, I that I agree with him on this set that he's glad that most Arminians are not consistent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and that's where I I I I'm I'm glad you and I agree on that 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 I I've I've not I don't know that I've ever met someone who claims to be an open theist. I've I've heard them online and everything, but I mean m- meeting face to face. I very rarely or if ever have ever met anyone who says God doesn't know. Right. Right. The, 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 the typical Arminian that I run into, or maybe even provisionist, would say that God knows he just doesn't choose for us. Right. And that's their, that's their argument. Um, and so Leighton's argument, and I just, I just want to get your thought. I know, mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of maybe hitting you, you a cold totally on this, so, <laughs> but, um, but we're just having fun, right? We're yeah, absolutely. Leighton's <laughs> Le- question was, he said, if the only consistent Arminian is an open theist, then the only consistent Calvinist is a hard determinist. And, and this this is what Leighton does. I mean, I, I, I try not to follow it. I actually have him muted on okay. <laughs> on Twitter because he, he, he can, can make you crazy. Um, Leighton will do this. He doesn't interact with the argument itself. He will come up with other analogies to try and defeat the, uh, you know, make the, uh, you know, like Dr. White's argument sound ridiculous. The problem is, is that and, and this is what drives me crazy when it comes to either provisionist or Arminian uh, idea, uh, uh, theology and responses to Calvinism is, is they, they refuse to actually interact with what we believe. We recognize that God is sovereignly decreed from the beginning of time all things that will happen. And he is not only decreed the ends, but he's also decreed the means. So, therefore, when I came to faith in Christ, God determined that... I would, re- I would read a fictional book series called Left Behind where there was just enough gospel <laughs> to make me realize I was in trouble. And so it was... We, have, that- a, we have a Jerry B. Jenkins disciple <laughs> among us. Look at that. Oh, man, I'll tell you, I, you're looking back on it now, it's like I would not recommend this method. But it was enough that God had used in my life. Uh, I, I went to Sunday school when I was a kid. I went to the Catholic Church and was confirmed in that. I had heard about... Jesus' death on, on the cross, I'd heard, I understood sin, I understood uh, hell, but I never had all the pieces together rightly. And there was not just enough of a presentation in there that I recognized that if Christ was coming back in judgment, I was in trouble. And that's how God reached me, through that means that he ordained throughout the course of my life. And so not only does he just uh, determine the, end, uh, the ends, he determines the means. And so how he determines that Keith Foskey came to salvation, how Chris Honholtz came to salvation, how Leighton Flowers came to salvation. That is all part of his sovereign decree. And so the, the problem is, is that they want persons like um, Leighton Flowers want to make that sound like, oh, you have nothing to do with it. There's no, there's no persuasion in the gospel. There's not even a need for the gospel because God's just going to flip a switch. And that's not what scripture teaches us. Scripture says that you, me, and every other Christian has the, uh, the duty to go forth and make disciples of every nation. I say go forth and make disciples of every nation, but different discussion to another time. Uh, so, um, but in doing so, that is the mechanism that he uses to bring those to whom he has prepared, whom he has called, whom he has chosen before the foundations of time. That is how he does it. 
And so he uses imperfect vessels like you and I to preach the gospel. And, though, and through that, he draws people to himself. He regenerates them they, and produces uh, repentance and faith in them. And now they're saved. And this idea, well, it's hard determinism. So because now, now you're just, you're just, you don't need the gospel. You're just, God's just going to make you a, a Christian whether you want to be or not. Well, the reality is none of us want to be. It's God's gracious work through those means that he has ordained by which we are redeemed. And that's what makes it glorious. Amen. What's well, you, you mentioned the sovereignty of God in there, so that leads me directly to the next clip, and that is another one that was uh, that was, uh, shall we say, disavowed? No, that, that's the wrong <laughs> word. Uh, was 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 posted by a uh, person who is opposed to Calvinism as an example of something that is wrong with Calvinism. So this was a this was a post. From Steve Lawson again from the G three conference. One of the it's a it's only thirty four seconds from his sermon, but they posted this and they said this is wrong. This is uh, a false view of um, of what we believe from the other side. Any thoughts of God by which He is not sovereign in creation, in providence, in history, in salvation, and in judgment is an idol maker, you have a God who does not really exist. You, you are a practical atheist who has concocted a, a, an inferior understanding of God if you do not understand that he is sovereign. Okay, so that's the statement. Now I want to read, uh, I'm not going to mention the name, uh, but I want to read the actual statement that was in response to this. I, I, have, a, I have it on my, uh, my, my mobile here. It says, um, Lawson has given a free pass to basically say that anyone who doesn't align with Calvinism is a practical atheist and idol worshiper, yet if the same was said or even implied about a Calvinist, y'all would lose your minds, y'all assuming being <laughs> us. So, uh, so, so your thoughts on that? I have I have some thoughts on this one, but I'm, I want to let you go first as my guest. Okay. Um, you know, that, that's what's interesting. First and foremost, Lawson did not name any particular group. He simply said, if you do not believe God is sovereign over all these things, then you have concocted a, a, an idol. You, you have a false understanding of God. Now, the fact that a person who says that goes, well, you're talking about me. That tells me something you already can, you're already admitting you you deny the sovereignty of God. So he didn't mention sovereignty of God in election. He didn't mention sovereignty of God in salvation specifically, though that would be implied. But you've immediately actually applied... I, he did he oh. did say salvation. Not oh. to correct you, but somebody in the comments is bound to correct. Okay, this, so then I apologize. Good. I, Go ahead. I apologize. He said sovereign in these things, and one oh. of the things in the list okay, was I, salvation. I apologize. Yeah. I'm focused. Got mixed up. So, but the point is, is that he wasn't specifically saying if you, if uh, if your ideology is Arminian, you've concocted an idol. But what that tells me is you you're denying God is sovereign in these things, and so therefore you feel that he's attacking you specifically when he's not necessarily doing that. He's talking about in over overall, God is sovereign over all of this. Now, even an inconsistent Arminian admits. That it's God who saved him. It's it, most Armenians will say that, as you said earlier, God has knowledge of whom he will be saved from the you know from before the foundations of the beginning of the earth. So what he you know what you're now saying is that well you're you're claiming I I worship a false god and therefore you know you're saying I'm a, a you know I I I'm not a Christian kind of response and I think it's a bit of an overreaction. Um, and, and the reality is, they actually do say those things about Calvinists. I have had people tell me or watch conversations unfold where it's like, you are a devil worshiper, your God is a monster, you are not saved if you're a Calvinist. So the reality is, this does go back and forth. You, and the, the reaction to Lawson's statement, which was not a direct attack on Arminian theology, but a, a statement of theological truth, which is God is sovereign. And if you deny God's sovereignty in all these areas, you have 
a wrong understanding of God, and you may you may well have created an idol to that extent. And I think there are people who hold to Arminian theology to an extent that they actually do that. They actually do create an idol because they are so anti-Calvinist in their thinking that the idea of a sovereign God in election, to them, that's a foreign and false God. So I understand why someone would want to feel offended that this was applied to them, but I would ask them, number one, back up and you know, recognize that this is consistent Calvinistic, Calvinistic the, uh, theology and thinking. It wasn't a direct attack on Arminian thinking. It was a specific issue of sovereignty over all of these things to include salvation. And again, I, I take that correction. I, I did misspeak there. Um, and by your own words, you re you're saying that God is not sovereign and that the, you now need to consider, what about your side that has done this? If we're going to interact with that issue, we got to be willing to take those criticisms. we got to be willing to say, if, if, you're, if the logical consistency of your, uh, your theological thinking is this, and you're denying God is this, then you could be creating an idol. Guess what? we got to do that. we got to be willing to take that criticism. And we got to be able to consistently think it through. But we shouldn't be getting upset with one another that the logical, consistent teaching of either a Calvinist or Arminian gets preached. And then, by the way, if this is what the Bible says and this is what it uh, teaches, if you deny this, you've got a problem. That yeah. You're, you're going to get that. You're going to have to live with that. That's part of you know actually interacting with differences in theological perspectives. You're going to get told, what? guess what? You're wrong. Absolutely. It's funny how how, how uh, uh, close we think on that, because that was basically what I was going to say, is he, he didn't say, if you're not a Calvinist, you're an idol worshiper. Mm -hmm. He said, if you deny the sovereignty of God, you're mm -hmm. an idol worshiper. I, I've only heard a few people say that they, that, like, like the, the name that comes to mind is Steven Anderson, oh, who is yeah. out near you. <laughs> he's, he's out in Arizona, which is, uh, I guess not too, well, I guess that's pretty far South of me. I'm, I'm up in the North part of Nevada. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Mr. You know, I, I know that he has taken issue with the word sovereignty, said it's not in the Bible, things like that. So, I, but, but rarely mm -hmm. do I hear Arminians or provisionists who would say God is not sovereign. They would just say he's so sovereign that he can give absolute libertarian freedom or whatever, yes. you know? So, so it's, it's, uh, to automatically assume that, that that what Lawson is saying is is that unless you're a Calvinist, you're mm -hmm. an idol worshiper. But I do think I do think I understand why they would come to that conclusion because certainly he is a Calvinist, and certainly yes. his view of, of sovereignty is specific. So so um, it, it's just it's sad that this is where we are, mm -hmm. where where every like I said, whatever said, oh he's talking about me or he's telling mm -hmm. me I'm an idol worshiper or whatever. Um, and that I think I think what you said was was great and and a, and a good point. So I've got a few other videos here. Uh, some of these less controversial. This one here I'm going to show. I and this is just really for fun. <laughs> I saw the video and I said I want to I want to know if Chris thinks the same thing I do. This is uh, Brother Ken Ham, who I will be seeing next month at the Ark Encounter. This is Ken Lucky. Ham. Uh, 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 What's that? Are you lucky? I want to go there so oh, bad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wish I wish I could I wish I could have you go with me because I'm going to be driving 12 hours all by myself. Ooh. I wish I had a, a, a buddy I could talk theology with for half a day. That'd be great. But here here we go. So what we're going to do? You start with Genesis one to eleven. After the count of three, I want you to all to say that with me. Right? One two three. You start with Genesis one to eleven. Not too bad. Okay, I have a question for you. It's a really hard question. How do you deal with gender? What, what is the answer? That's amazing. You people really have great memories. So, God created man in his image, male and female. He, male and female. And, there's only two options. 
All right, my reason for my, my reason for that clip, and, and I, I'm going to go first this time, just because I want to see if you have the same experience I do. I have been listening to Ken Ham for 20 years or better. Uh, I remember the first the first time I ever heard Ken Ham was on a VHS tape. And for those who don't know what, a, for my <laughs> listeners who were born after the turn of the century, a VHS tape was what. Uh, DVDs used to be. And if you don't know what a DVD is, that's what Blu-rays used to be. And Blu-rays are what streaming used to be. So a VHS tape it was... a dinosaur. Uh, yeah, it is. But I had a VHS tape of Ken Ham. And I think it's before it was even Answers in Genesis. I think this was like... like I don't even know if that existed then. It was just his preaching. He had black hair. He was... He looked like Abraham Lincoln. You know, he was tall, <laughs> slender black hair and he had the just the beard but no mustache um and he said in that sermon which that that was probably 20 years it was probably 40 years ago because it was when he was younger but i i just happened to have the tape 20 years ago and he said it's all in genesis 1 to 11 and 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 i just want to give ken ham an award (laughs) for being the absolute most consistent man on the dais amen (laughs) <laughs> he has got one string that he plucks at, and it's Genesis one that eleven. <laughs> he can pluck that one string banjo, and he's gonna do it until he gets to glory. That is his Amen. thing. And uh, I saw that, and I just didn't know if you had the same experience. Oh yeah, I you know I came to faith in September of two thousand, so we're looking at now twenty three years as a Christian, and. Um, listening i i have heard him off and on because early christian i didn't know there was an answer other than evolution and i got plugged into him and and some of the things and he his he has pounded on that over and over again and and some of the most really fantastic ways of dealing with the cultural milieu that we're in because he points out we're always trying to attack all the, the, the outer parts while at the meantime they're they're attacking the foundations of Christianity, starting with what we how we came to be. And um that that has been his consistent argument from, from that day. He's never wavered on that. So absolutely agree. Well, I've got two two left. Uh one, I just wanted to give a shout out to Josh Bice. Josh Bice is the brainchild behind the G3. He's the one who started it all. I've met him before. I met him at a founders conference, uh, seemed very genuine Mm -hmm. young, young man. Uh, uh, you know, he was very kind to me. We had a nice conversation and I did not, I guess I should have assumed he was an abolitionist, but, but I didn't know where his position was on that. And I, and I'm not even sure your position, Chris, we've not talked about that beforehand, but I just was, I heard him say this next clip and I thought, I thought this was worth sharing. I just taught a class on ethics. And in my ethics class, I, I talked about the distinction between the pro-life movement and the abolitionist movement. And so I just thought this was interesting. In the state of Louisiana, a few years back, there was a bill that was placed uh, out for you know, consideration. They had a great deal of support, and it was on the full abolition of abortion. And just before the vote, 70 pro-life organizations wrote a letter, including the National Right to Life, that actually stood in opposition to the bill that would protect every life in the state. So guess what happened to the bill? It failed. That's the pro-life establishment. So I reject that type of thing. I stand for the full abolition of abortion. I think if we as the church would stand up and speak up and be clear about that and educate our church about that, we would see this cause advance across the nation. Yeah. Amen. So I just, I, I, like I said, I, if you want to give a thought on that, my, my only thing I wanted to say is praise the Lord that he was willing to say that. I know so many guys aren't, even if they hold that position, are afraid to say it in front of their churches and certainly in front of a almost 9,000-member crowd, you know, to say something uh, as bold as that. So No, I absolutely agree with him. I think as the stance on abortion abolition has grown stronger, uh, we have seen the pro-life establishment recoil. And that has revealed something about that establishment. It really hasn't been about bringing an end to an abort- abortions. And I think there is something to be said for the argument that some have pr- uh, brought out that the pro-life establishment, if, uh, if abortion is abolished, that's the end of a gravy train for some people. 
And so mm. I, th- I yeah. think there's, I think there's something to be, uh, you know, at least given consideration for that, because certainly we have seen many organizations that continue to exist only for themselves and get in the, get in their own way, so to speak. And certainly the pro-life industry uh, industry has done that. The idea that you would, you, that you would argue, no, let's not abolish abortion, and it's always couched behind, oh, it won't pass constitutional muster, it won't pass. Uh, this it won't pass that well we just watched roe v wade be overturned it, yeah. nothing, something none of us ever thought it, it, never in my life did i think that was going to happen that is the, if you want to talk about sovereignty of god look what just happened you know that that is unbelievable so you can't use that argument anymore it can be done but yet you have individuals who for reasons that just don't make sense would rather see it regulated than abolished and i think it i I agree with josh i think it's time that as the church as a whole is willing to stand up and say this is murder and we need to treat it as such we need to quit trying to find ways to curry favor with the world because it sounds mean and i get it i understand i i agree that 99 percent of the time that that woman's not a victim they, 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 they are mm-hmm. believing a lie. They're willingly believing a lie. I think there are some rare cases where they are a victim in the sense where they're being pushed into this by an abusive husband or boyfriend or a pimp has brought them in or whatever. And they're not wanting it themselves, but they've been pushing it. So there's that rare occasion. But ju- by and large, we know the statistics. Most children are aborted because of convenience. They don't want the child. They don't want to be pregnant. They're, they're you know, whether it's money or whatever... They just don't want that child, and they want to put an end to that child's life. The idea that we need that we need to treat every woman as a victim when she is contracting someone to murder her child needs to be done away with. We need to quit being worried about how the world will perceive it. We have seen what that does. All it has never once changed the world. It has done everything to change the church, and the church has acquiesce so much on so many places and we have gotten so far away from the biblical truth because we're trying to curry favor with the world i agree with josh 100 the pro-life industry is exactly that it's an industry i i am grateful for some of the victories that have happened that have saved children's lives under pro-life movements but that is because god's sovereign will allowed something to happen that maybe less children were murdered, but how many less children would be murdered if it was not legal at all? Yep. Well, I have one last video for us to uh, watch, and this is, I'm calling this one the most heartwarming of the videos. And so uh, this one's going to take us in a totally different direction because this was just one of those moments where everybody had a collective Aw, <laughs> moment. So uh, this is... Uh... Now, there's different kinds of expository preaching. <laughs> I can sit with Steve. Yeah, come on, Paul. Come on, come on. So, Paul... Paul... Why are you late? I mean, what was more important than, than this? Were you having um, coffee? I know, I know the answer to that. <laughs> you got an answer yeah. for what? I'm a missionary. <laughs> I was, I, I got this wonderful opportunity to share Christ with this beautiful young lady. Why would I come up here? Yeah, Amen. okay. Amen. Absolutely. I think that that I said earlier about Paul, Paul Washer being a genuine dude and uh, and, and just how I, I, I think that I, I don't think that he is swept up in the celebrity mm-hmm. of it all. And the fact that he was willing to be late to being the the you know, the, the visual audience of 8000 people to talk to one person mm-hmm. about Christ Amen. Uh, and. and I, I just I just had to share that. I thought it was great. No, that's and, it's, uh, that's wonderful. I mean, that really shows his heart. You know, there are people that, 
for the life of me, I don't understand why, but they, they just have a great disdain for Paul Washer because when Paul preaches to Christians about forsaking the things of this world to be drawn to Christ and, and do the work that we're called to, he has no problems. You, you better be wearing steel-toed shoes, okay? He has no problem stepping on your feet. And he is most known for that, that shocking youth message where he did exactly that. And he, he has no problem... You know, we, we joke. You get saved all over again if you listen to Paul Washer. <laughs> you, you know, um, but Paul, Paul's heart is to see people brought to Christ, and his, the reason he it goes hard on Christians that he perceives as being so inundated by the things of the world is because of what you just saw there. Instead of being up on the stage where he can be oohed and awed over. And, and, and every word hung on to you. He's taking the time to share Christ with a young lady. Of course he's going to do that. That's his heart. I was there two years ago when it was like they were having trouble finding Paul before his, his sermon. Come to find out, he had t- he would I think he sat in a stairwell somewhere and was praying. And would have probably continued praying had not somebody found him. <laughs> That's his heart. He wants to spend time with the Lord, and he wants to spend time with the, the people that need to hear, uh, you know, hear the gospel. And he wants to, uh, you know, just really harness the, the power of God into the hearts of Christians to do exactly that. So I think if you if you recognize when you listen to him, if there's ever been a time when you, I think there's a video of him. I wish I could think of where, uh, who shared it. it Might have been Wretched Radio back in the day or something, but where he's sharing the gospel open air and i think in south america somewhere and he's just most patient most loving tone of voice you could ever hear come out of him because he's sharing the the message he loves the most the gospel i and i agree that's that is paul washer that is classic paul washer i love it amen well, that's the last video I have. As I said, we're two guys who didn't go giving our thoughts on uh, on some clips and and just trying to you know share with people. Hey, we wish we could have been there. We couldn't, so we get the uh, the opportunity to to come to come together and, and talk about it. But but Chris, as we begin to draw to a close, I do want to ask uh, because I mentioned earlier you're the host of Voice of Reason Radio, and I do like something you said on your program. I was listening to you this past week, and you said if you go to YouTube. Be careful what voice of reason you find because there's some <laughs> there's yeah. some atheist groups. So tell people how to find you if they want to listen to your show. The uh, easiest way is to go to our website, which is slave to the king.com. That gives you the link to uh, our, our social media. It gives you all the episodes because you can actually stream them right there on the website. But it also gives you the link to our Podbean website, uh, which is where it's hosted. You can also go directly to it at, uh, I believe it's voiceofreasonradio.podbean.com. Uh, you can also find it, uh, Voice of Reason Radio, on like Apple Podcasts. I believe we're on um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, a, a few different places. I can't remember them all at this point. Uh, but the easiest way is always to go to slavetothekeng.com. That's where you're, it's kind of our one-stop shop for where you'll find most of what we do, in, including when I manage to control my time, uh, write something. So. <laughs> oh. Wonderful. And do you have anything special coming up in the near future, shows that you want to mention or anything that people ought to be looking uh, out for? I, I wouldn't say we necessarily have anything in the hopper. We've actually had a, a, a tough few weeks because uh, my co-host, Richard Story, who I have said time and again is the heart of our program, uh, I, I can string a sentence together and, and, and sound coherent at times, but Rich, is if, there, if there's a man that... I personally know that loves the gospel more. I, I'd be, I, it may be my pastors, but his heart is for the the, the proclamation of the gospel and, and leading center, sinners to Christ. He's struggled with allergies and other health issues, and so we've kind of been hit and miss with some of our more recent episodes. We're trying, hopefully, getting back into that real soon here. Um, but we. Typically, we're always asking people, if you have show ideas, please send them to us. Uh, it's less work for us. Uh, but we typically will take any number of topics and, and try to address it from the, uh, with the idea that what we want you to do, whether you agree with us or not, is to view everything through the lens of Scripture. So whether it's talking about G3, whether it's talking about interactions with one another online, whether it's talking about work-related issues, family-related issues... 
what we want to do is draw you back to the idea of you need to understand the scriptures and you need to view life through the scriptures because that's the true voice of reason. There's only one voice of reason. It's the word of God. So we don't have anything specific in mind. I think uh, interacting and, and dealing with arguments online was one of our more recent ones, and we're hoping to get to that one soon. Um, so, But yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from anybody. If you ever have show ideas, uh, please get a hold of us. Well, thank you again for being with me. And I do want to say one last thing before I go to sign off. You are probably going to be the only person that is mirroring my Star Wars poster. <laughs> I have an I have an original Star Wars poster back here. Mine's not in a frame. It was given to me by a friend at church. It was already had some foxed up edges and stuff, so I just went ahead and put it on the wall. But I see yours in the background. Yes. Th thank you for nerding out with me tonight <laughs> over the G3 conference and being a fellow uh, uh, lover of, of pop culture and, and being a fellow brother in Christ. Brother, it has been a, an, a joy to be on here. It's honored that you invited me on. I am thrilled to spend time with you and talking about these things. And and yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of these times we'll just have to nerd out and talk pop culture and, and drive people crazy with that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, guys, I want to thank you again for being a part of Conversations with a Calvinist. I want to remind you that we put out a new podcast every week, as well as other funny videos, and those videos are available at calvinistpodcast.com, which takes you straight to our YouTube page, because that's where we house everything, even our new Teespring shop, which has some t-shirts, hats, including the one I'm wearing. If you're interested, you can go and find those on our YouTube page, or look us up on spring.com and look up Your Calvinist. You can find me at Your Calvinist on Twitter. One last thing. Thing. Next week, I have a very special show planned. I'm going to be having a live theological debate with Redeemed Zoomer. You'll notice on here I have Redeemed Zoomer and versus Your Calvinist, and we're going to be debating the subject, Should Infants Be Baptized? That is next Thursday, October the 5th, 2023 at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's going to be broadcast live on YouTube, so you will be able to ask your questions during the show. So please join us next week at 8 o'clock Eastern Time to watch that show. I want to thank you again for being a part of Conversations with the Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you. <laughs>